0: Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of AJ Orsini and his guests exclusively. Seriously guys, this show is called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Hey guys, Orsini here. In episode 152, we're going to take a little bit of a detour here today. I'm going to talk about some stuff here I have not spoken of in literal years. This is going to be really cool. I got inspired for this particular episode. We're going to do a little pro wrestling here today, some up-to-date stuff. But also, Orsini's going to take a trip down memory lane, and I'm going to talk a little sports to you here today. That's right. Orsini's all over the map here, and we're going to have a good time. Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, A.J. Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? This is your boy, your main man, the chasso brother from another mother. This is your host, of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. This is A.J. Orsini, and I am here with episode 152. This, 152. Can, I, can we confirm that? Hold on one second. I always do this to myself. I wait to the very end. Don't go there because those numbers are inflated. Much like the polls. Am I right? Now let's go back here. Right off the back. That's not a good start. to this. Yeah, 152. See? And I did all that and I was right. Should have went with my gut. Anywho, guys. 152 here. We are putting this in the books. We're doing the show here. And uh, I'm going to do a little pro wrestling here today. But I have something really, really interesting that I want to talk about—a little piece of my life, a little, a little inner Orsini, if you will—and uh, a little bit of my history as it relates to uh, some sports uh, that I uh, that I used to dabble in back in the day before pro wrestling became the predominant force of my life. Uh, there was definitely. Big, big time sports influence. Matter of fact, that influence has led to a lot of my decisions in the pro wrestling game, which again, we'll talk a little about that moving on here. It's going to be the theme of the show even though there's going to be some pro wrestling talk because I'm going to tie the sports aspect into some of that pro wrestling talk because there's much to discuss on that side of it as well. Uh, one of the things right off the top, I want to thank everybody for supporting the show and everything that they've done. Uh, I've been checking the statistics on Podbean, and I'm getting heard not only just through Podbean, but through so many sources, so many different outlets, so many platforms that are streaming the show, and I want to, take the time to thank you guys. I'm still bugged out by the Alexa thing. Hey Alexa, play Orsini's Uncensored Mind. That shit is hilarious to me. That is awesome. If you're one of those... I'm not making fun of the person who's doing it. So if you're listening to the show, I'm not making fun of you. I just Believe me, it's beyond humbling. That's why I think it's hilarious. Because I just never thought this would go that far. So it's very cool. So thank you for that. There's been a lot of support on that end. Big shout out. Big support. uh, Or should I say big thank you. Not big, big support. Big thank you to those who have supported the new logo. Uh, and uh, not just the new logo but the new shirt as well Uh, i had a feeling i'd get a bit of a jump i have so i want to thank you guys for that thank you for supporting the show i'm still waiting for photos from people who keep telling me they're going to send me photos uh of them wearing the shirt and i'm not getting a whole lot of them so please please uh send that um send those shirts over to me so that i can uh Get that out there and, and, and show the world that people are buying my shit. That's a pretty cool feeling. I love the looking, I'm love looking. i looking at it right now, as a matter of fact. I just happened to have it up because I was going to do some other stuff with the website. Uh, but, yeah, it's up right now, and I'm looking at it. So thank you guys for all the support you've given me. Uh, and I know that uh, one guy reached out to me uh, about the shirt. Uh, I have no control over when Pro Wrestling Tees ships it out. They do keep me up to date as far as the processing process i was trying to find a different word but i there we go uh yeah so i was trying to find uh some information out about the shipping part because of this whole covid thing uh once again we're effed in the a on certain packages i've been experiencing it myself on some of the things that i've purchased online so i just want to give you guys the heads up that i have reached out to pro wrestling tees and they're giving me the same spiel that everybody else is getting, you know, the whole shipping deal. It's a big, a bit of a pain in the ass to do it in bulk. They have a lot of shirts they have to ship. Um, clearly, my, uh, my shit is not a high priority for pro wrestling tees, not when you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin and CM Punk gear to ship out to the masses around the world. So, uh, I'm not exactly a priority, so uh, I have been assured it will ship, but it is, uh, I've I don't know where if it's uh, been shipped just yet. They're getting around to it. They're getting around to it. So, so hold on there. It's uh, it's coming. Your your purchase uh, will come through. And if you start getting impatient and you want your money back, let me know, uh, and we'll take care of that. And I'll deal with uh, Pro Wrestling Tees on my own. But it should be should be good to go on that end. So I want to thank you guys for that. Last week, I also stated that I would have an announcement for this week. Because I've been asked a few times now, when's the next time you're going live? When's the next time you're going live? Apparently people are digging the live shows, which is cool, because I dig them too. I have a lot of fun with the live shows. Uh, but it's impossible for me to do them all the time, which is why I still go to the old school here and sit at the table with the old equipment here and plug the fucker down. Uh, because I don't have the time uh, scheduled to be uh, live every single week. I, do, I just don't have the time to do that. I have one more year left of uh, college to finish up my degree. After that, I'm pretty much... I'm going full, hard body on this podcast. When I when my time frees up, believe me, it's a fucking wrap uh, for this show. We're going worldwide, baby. We're going to push this even further. Because I've been doing this... I have been expanding. I have been getting sponsors. I have been getting... All these different opportunities through this show, being interviewed on other podcasts and being co-hosts with other people. This podcast has given me quite a lot of opportunities over the course of the last, I'll say, two and a half years now. Actually, not even two and a half years. It'll be three years in about two months in October. It'll be three years that I've been doing this uh, every week, with the exception of one week where I missed uh, during the COVID era. But uh, yeah, I've been pretty consistent with this. And I've been doing this not for nothing. I don't want to downgrade what I've done here, but this is not my full strength. I haven't put my full attention on this. I have put the proper amount in to make sure that the quality of the show is as good as I want it to be. Uh, But as far as the promotional end of it and getting my name out there and doing all the things necessary to really push the brand of the show, uh, I have not done as well of a job as I could have, and that's mostly because of time constraints. I won't have those time constraints in about a year. So when we get to the 4th anniversary, fuckers better watch the fuck out. Because I am going to be everywhere. I'm going to be in your homes, on your television, your cell phones, your laptops. I'm going to invade your shit. So uh, get ready for that. That's going to be an interesting time. But I did have an announcement concerning my next live. and And last week I gave you a date, which was next Saturday, the 22nd. I will be going live. I will be going live next Saturday, 7 p.m., the usual live time slot, and I'm going to be doing it a little different. Actually, this will be the most different I've ever done it. (laughs) I'm always trying to up the ante, always trying to do something a little bit different with this show. Um, I, I first went live at the studio. That was cool. Then I went live at home, which was cool, and then I did round tables and all this other stuff. I've always tried to like step up to the next, what can I do next with this show? Just to fuck around and see how far I could really push this. And I found a new way to push it. So what's going to happen is <laughs> uh, next week live, I will be live Saturday, 7 p.m. the 22nd, but I will not be alone. I will be live with other people. I'm going to have a roundtable. I haven't had a roundtable in a long time because of COVID, But I will be having another roundtable, and I will be having it next Saturday, the 22nd. Now, because of the whole COVID deal, I'm still weary about having people in my house, so that's not going to be an option. Uh, But through the wonders of technology, since everyone else has been pretty much doing everything through Zoom, why the fuck not, right? So next week, we're going to be live. You'll be able to see all of us. Uh, We will be doing the first ever live video Uh, roundtable next Saturday, and the topic will once again be a topic that... uh, We've done roundtables on this topic before, but I'm going to kind of push the envelope on this. So the topic of conversation, the topic for the roundtable next week uh, will be SummerSlam. Now here's the deal with that. Uh, There's a lot of missing components to SummerSlam. Uh, We still haven't really heard an official word. We know that they're going into the Amway Center. They know We know that they're going to be picking up uh, a bigger building here, and they're going to try to do the electronic fan thing like all the other major sports are doing. Uh, they're going to follow sports' lead on this one, and they're going to try to do something different. So in the spirit of that, I must also do something different because, to be honest with you, I haven't watched a whole lot of WWE. As a matter of fact, I've been pretty honest about the fact that I have seen, as in sat through... Almost none of it. Uh, I've been watching clips on YouTube. Every now and then I'll get a clip. So I'll, I'm kind of up to date, but really not really. I, I've seen things out of context. So I really have to do my homework, which I'm not looking forward to. Because just There's a reason I haven't sat through these Empty Arena shows. But I've got one guest so far who uh, will definitely be on. I have another guest who will let me know. Uh, but chances are very good, and I usually go with I usually go with four people, right? So it's me. I already got the two. I'm gonna go ahead and count that second person, uh, and I need more seats. So what's gonna happen is is I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to a few people. It's Zoom. So the beautiful part about that is I don't need to stop at four. I can put as many as I want, which is the beautiful part about Zoom. I don't want too many for obvious reasons. it's a two, We're only going to have two hours to do this, and we all can't speak all at the same time, right? So there's only but so many voices I could have uh, on the show. But we're going to try to work that out. But it will be a SummerSlam roundtable, and the reason, I'm not reason, but one of the ways that I'm going to mix it up is usually we spend the whole two hours on the upcoming show. We talk about it, we break it down, here's the what's-its, here's what's happening. Uh, but there's really not a whole lot to break down about this SummerSlam, to be honest with you, because they really haven't done a whole lot as far as promoting it or talking about it, or a whole lot about building it up. So what we're going to do is we're going to pay the proper respect to the upcoming show, and we're going to end the show. uh, Or maybe not. No, because I want to have fun. So we'll start the show. We'll start the show I think, I think I'm changing that on the fly because I had that planned differently, but I think it makes more sense. We'll start our roundtable discussing SummerSlam, and then when that's done, we'll dip, in, we'll dip into the other stuff. And the other stuff is, is I really wanted to talk a lot about the importance of SummerSlam. I know we all have memories attached to it. We all have our favorites. We all have our least favorites, haha moments, moments people might have forgotten. And uh, normally when I do roundtables, I try to include that stuff, but it, don't, it usually comes at a minimum because you know, we really have to talk about the pay-per-view at hand. So we're going to flip that this time. We'll talk about the pay-per-view at hand. We'll try our best to be as positive as possible, although some of these matches that are being booked will lend itself to heavy criticism. But we're going to try to be as positive as possible, and then we're going to get into the good shit. We're going to talk some real SummerSlam shit. And we'll be live So not only will I have the guests be able to tell me some of their favorite SummerSlam moments, but I'll have the fans as well. You guys will be a part of the conversation. You'll be able to tell us some of your favorites, some moments that maybe we forgot. And uh, we're going to have a great time. It's going to be a full-on conversation. It's going to be a lot for me to be paying attention to. So um, this should be really, really cool. And uh, yes, you still will be able to make phone calls. I have figured out the phone call situation Episode 150 was the second time that we lost the line. I figured out what the problem was. We will not have that problem again. So not only will I have about three guests with me, but I will also have an opportunity for you guys to tell me or to speak to me on your thoughts, on your favorite memories, thoughts about particular matches, stuff like that. I'm going to have a, 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 not a clock, that's weird, but like a moment. Because there's so many, there's gonna be so many people talking on this show that for you guys to call in at random uh, is not gonna work. So what we're gonna do is, is I have I'm gonna explain it again when we start next week, but I'll 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 precursor it here so that you guys can get an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, it's me and three other guests. We're gonna be talking a whole lot, obviously, about SummerSlam, and I want to hear you guys. So what's gonna happen is, is I'm going to. Uh, I have the ability to leave the phone number on the screen and I have the ability to remove it. So if you're new to this, this is what I do. I normally leave the phone number up when I'm okay with you calling into the show and I leave the phone number up so that I can hear from you. If I remove the number, that means it's not okay to be calling. Do not call me. And if you call me, it will be red buttoned. You're not going to get through. You'll be wasting your time. Just wait for the number to come up. That'll be the opportunity for people to call in And we'll be able to interact and we'll be able to discuss and we'll be able to have that conversation. It's going to be orderly, it's going to be organized, and it'll work itself out. I promise you guys. Just follow along and follow the bouncing ball. But it's going to be a SummerSlam roundtable next Saturday, uh, 7 p.m. We'll be live. I'm going to be doing my pre-show, obviously, before that, uh, just with the videos playing and stuff. If you guys want to log in early just to let it sit and rock, uh, you guys can do that. I've been, t- uh, the other night I was testing the Zoom and it must have been like 11 something at night and I was trying to get in and out. I just wanted to make sure audio was good. I wanted to make sure that the visual was what I wanted because uh, it's going to look different obviously than uh, before. So I definitely wanted to, um, definitely want to fuck around with that a little bit and get an idea of what that's going to look like leading up to the big show. And uh, people were jumping onto the live. I used to go live before on the thing. Nobody would fucking pay attention to it. Now, because I've done so many lives, I was on for literally like a minute and three people were in the room and I was like, this is fucking crazy. So it's cool. It's getting bigger. It's it's becoming a bigger deal. Uh, people are paying attention to it more. I'm happy. This is great. And uh, let's have a good time next week. Um, but that's next week. Let's talk a little bit about some stuff here today. I want to talk to you guys about injuries, pro wrestling injuries in particular, because I got I got asked the other day, not online or anything. This was uh, in person. It was kind of hilarious. Uh, I'm glad it was in person because it led to a conversation. But uh, I was asked and they, they told me, do you regret saying what you said about Edge and his comeback? Which made me curious, because it made it sound like I shit on him. And I was like, you need to be clear what you're talking about. What part exactly should I be feeling bad about? What did I say about Edge? that is that negative, where I'm supposed to feel bad and I'm supposed to make... He made me feel like I'm supposed to apologize for something. I said, what the fuck am I apologizing for? What exactly did I do? He said, well, weren't you the one who was saying on your show that... You didn't think he was going to return, that he shouldn't return, that he can't return, which proves to me he didn't really know exactly what I said. Uh, and I did say, here's the thing, let's let's call a spade a spade. I, d- I did not think he would return, and I'll take it a step further, I did not think he should return. I was very vocal about that. A lot of people were saying, oh, he's going to be in the Rumble. Watch, he's going to be in the Rumble, and I said it on this show, and I'll say it here now. Top 10 stupid, stupidest things he's ever done in his life if he answers the Rumble. And of course he did, and everyone took a chance to rub it in my face that he was in the Rumble. But if you rubbed it in my face that I was wrong about him being in the Rumble, then you didn't understand why it was saying it, so it didn't bother me. Because ignorance is bliss. All you wanted it was an opportunity to, hey, 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 I gotcha, but my point still stands. So I wanted to clarify with him, are you saying that I should feel bad for saying that he should not have returned? He's like, yeah, because you, know, you said that you know, it's a risk and this and that, and, and then he, he, he came back and he s- seems to be fine. And I was like, oh, you mean the currently injured edge, the one who just had his, I believe it was his tricep, surgically repaired. That edge, the one that I thought would get injured and then currently is injured. Okay, yeah, sure. No, I don't feel bad about saying anything that I said about edge because what I said about edge was absolutely 100% correct it wasn't worth the risk for what there are certain guys that get on the I felt bad for Daniel Bryan all the work he put in to get over all the work he put in to be a top guy the minute they submit and they say okay fuck it here it is the big Wrestlemania moment we're going with him moving forward fuck it and neck injury. I felt bad for that. I did. I felt bad for that. Because I felt like his career was being taken from him. And if you listen to the podcast back then, I will, you'll hear the same thing about Daniel Bryan that I said about Edge. It isn't worth coming back for. Daniel Bryan, you kind of got the idea that he was being looked at. wasn't as big of a surprise as edge because edge was keeping it very close to the vest everything that he was doing daniel was very open about it you kind of saw it coming you kind of heard the inkling there was the rumor mill was going it wasn't that big of a surprise when he finally came out and said that he was cleared you run through that many doctors you run through that many people eventually someone's going to cave they're going to clear you and I said it then, I stand by that one too. With everything he had going on, he has just had a kid, he's clearly made his money, he's a saver, this guy, got. he's going to be comfortable for the rest of his life. There was no need to come back to the WWE to do anything. And he has come back, and he had a great run as a heel WWE champion. He got that one run as the champion that he really, really wanted and deserved to have. And then he kind of put it into cruise control. And now with him being a part of the creative team, it looks like he is setting himself up to get out of the ring, which is fantastic. He got away with one. He stole one. I'm happy for him. Really truly am because I didn't think it was worth the risk. There's too much that can go wrong. You're a dad. There's other things more important than this. And I said the same thing about Edge. I stand by it. There was no need for Edge to Edge. Was in a, a much dumber position than Daniel Bryan, and Edge said it himself. When in that uh, WWE 24 episode with Edge about his comeback, he had if if my career was over at this point, I was my career has already been better than so many other people. It was. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer at the time that he retired, and he retired when he retired. He wasn't technically done. Vince McMahon said it, very premature, but very well deserved. He believed Edge was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. It's a slam dunk. Edge gets a ring. There's no doubt about that. Edge's career dictates no question about it. This guy is numero uno first ballot. He didn't need to come back. He's got his money. He's got his kids. He's got his wife. He was acting. He was making a living. He was good. But he came back anyway. Daniel came back and they all come back and all for the same reason. And this is why I tell people all the time, I will never be a successful WWE superstar because the level of obsession that it takes to get to the top, to stay at the top and to feverishly scratch and crawl and and kick away at feet and hands to stay at the top is exhausting. It's exhausting. I can't even begin to explain to you people how exhausting it really is for people. It's hard. Hard to get in. It's hard to stay. And it's probably even harder to leave it. Because you put... I think Shawn said it in the WWE 24 with Edge. Shawn Michaels said it. It's extremely hard to let it go. They put so much of themselves in it. It's your everyday, excuse me, now that I think about it, Sean said it in the Taker series, not the Edge one. But Sean did say, he said that exactly, and it, it was the best explanation I've heard from an old-timer in my life. It's a. It's something that a lot of people refuse to admit. They cannot let it go. Once you're there, right, once you succeed to that level, it's hard It's hard to just say, okay, I'm done now. I'm going to go live at my house and play with my kids and do dishes and do the laundry and live a normal fuck. I'm going to go to Trader Joe's for hot dog buns. This is not the life that they've had for years. They get in the car. They go to a hotel. Hotel gives them everything, right? Concierge service, food, workout equipment. They, They don't have to go anywhere. They go to the building. They're at the building all day. They do the show, they come back to the hotel room, sleep for a few hours, hop in the car, go to the next city, and do it again. Or they hop in the car that night, get to the hotel, get a few hours of sleep, and do it again. It's a circus. All It's all day, all night, every day, every night, until you fucking die. <laughs> or, until, or if you get lucky enough, you get to that end when you can't do it anymore, and then all of a sudden it's time for you to go. And you don't feel the need to fucking go. It is hard, and these injuries—these injuries are blatant. Here, here it is. This is your time now. You wanted me to give you a, an alarm for when it was, when it was time to do this. Well, ding, ding, ding. It's, it's time to do this. It's time to stop. And they blow right past. the go home every time. Every time. I don't know how many guys... It, it The word retire is one of the biggest jokes, biggest ribs in wrestling history. Who retires? Who actually genuinely fucking retires? Not a whole lot of people. Very rare. Sean did it for a while, and you see where that got us. Back to Saudi Arabia and all over. It, it's hard. Taker himself says that he's done. We'll see what happens when fans come back. And they need a big, a big rating hit, a big rating uh, a spike, when the fans come back and they get that first Raw or that first SmackDown in front of a real audience, in a, in a building or, a, God forbid, a stadium. We'll see where that decision lies when that happens. I've seen people break their necks. I've seen people break their backs. I've seen people break their legs, and the first thing that they can think of is getting back into the ring. It's a drug. It's a drug. And, and I'm saying this whilst I'm also high on the ship myself. But I believe I'm meta and I'm self-aware enough to know that when the day comes, I need to make the right decision. I've been training myself for that decision pretty much my my whole life. I've left the business on two occasions now. Now I'm back. This is my third run here. I'm back now or at least I, you know, until COVID figures itself out and we're able to do the indie shows all over again, but you know, I I, I came to, I've left a few times now and and the reason for that is because I, I it's practice. To be honest with you, it's practice. I want to get into a position where when the time is up and the day comes where it's no longer a decision, you know what I mean, it's no longer me sitting here saying I could do one more. You know, I can get into, I can get into the ring one more time. Or I, can, I could do this one more time. Or I can do that one more time. There's going to come a day when it's over. And I want to be able to know that when it's time, I will be able to make that decision and stay with it. And I know you're listening to this going, well, AJ, you're doing a shitty job because you've quit twice and here you are again. Now I know, but these were always temporary jumps. These were always temporary, okay, I'm going to leave now situations. It was never a situation where, I, okay, I fucked this, I'm gone for good. That was never an option on the table for me. And it's really hard for these people. And I wanted to bring that up because I think when he said it, he was like, do you take it back? Because Edge, you know, with the exception of the tricep, he hasn't really sustained the level of injury we all thought. You know that he would sustain, but no, I don't take it back because he shouldn't be back. I don't. I'm not backpedaling off of that. That's. A, I still feel that way. I hope he doesn't come back now. He he got the Royal Rumble reaction. He had the WrestleMania match. They had a hell of a match. A backlash proved that he can get in there and still do it on that level, albeit maybe not every day. But when he's motivated, he can go out there and still be Edge. What else do you have to prove? How much longer is it going to take for you to realize that this shit is, is it's, it's taking more than it's giving? You need to figure it out. And I want that to be a cautionary tale for all talent that listen to this show. If you're a wrestler listening to this show, be prepared for the end. There's a lot of old school talent right now. Uh, I mean, Kamala just passed away recently, and I know I didn't get a chance to do anything on the show for him. I've been a little busy. There will be time. I was thinking of doing something for SummerSlam, as a matter of fact. uh, Giving him his proper due. But they needed a GoFundMe for his funeral services. He wasn't prepared for life after wrestling. There's a lot of guys that do this until they break, and they don't plan for the break, and they get left in really bad situations. That ain't going to be me. And I hope anybody in my circle... Thinks it's going to be them. you crazy. Because I'm in the air of my friends as well. I tell them all the time. You need to be ready for when this is over. You're not going to go through that curtain forever. Every person that goes through that curtain thinks. They're going to do this forever. You're not. You're not bulletproof. No one's bulletproof. Everyone gets hurt. Everyone gets dropped. You need to figure it out. And speaking of uh, being dropped. And not being here forever. That does not exist, the not being here forever. That rule does not exist for Impact Wrestling. I have to talk to you guys about Impact Wrestling for just a damn second. How, you, do you know how many times that heart monitor has flatlined? Are you guys aware, truthfully, how many times we've looked at the heart monitor of Impact Wrestling and thought to ourselves, Jesus well, at least that's the end of that. And then we turn around and these motherfuckers, these motherfuckers are still, still doing shit. Impact Wrestling will not fucking die. I am convinced of this now. <laughs> I'm convinced I'm done. I'm done looking at them and feeling well at any minute now. You know, I don't want to get too attached now because it could go at any minute and blah, blah, blah. I no longer feel that way at all impact wrestling every time I turn around they're making another acquisition they're making another move they're make they're bringing in the the guns are back Brian myers is in eric young is in they're going they're they're always trying different things they're always trying to make moves they're always trying always 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 trying and i gotta tell you for once. I'm buying in. Because look, listen to me here. Just listen to me for a second. I get it. I've seen a few of their shows recently because you just can't help yourself. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not big on a lot of the moves that they've made. I'm not big on some of the matches that I've seen. But that's fine. It's a far cry from the BS they used to give us back in the day. And I grew up on the whole TNA deal, man. I did. A lot of us did who... Watch TNA, those early Wednesday night shows and the, the, the asylum and all this other stuff. We, we watched these shows over and over and over again and fell in love with TNA. And, and for as long as, you know, this show has been going on, this is the equivalent of meeting the hot chick straight out of fucking, just meeting the hot chick in, in high school, man. And you just, you fell in love. And her body was banging. And she's wonderful. And you just like, this is it. This is me for the rest of my life. And the longer that relationship goes, the longer that relationship goes, she starts getting a little bit more frustrated and a little bit more annoying. And she starts getting fatter. And she starts getting uglier. And then you tell yourself every day, all right, Enough. I'm done with this, bitch. I'm going to get out of here. I can't take this no more. But you don't leave, and you come back, and you give her another try, and you come back again, and she starts to do it again. And you say, you know what? Enough of this shit. I'm going to fucking leave. And then she does it again. And it's this vicious circle, and the next thing you know, it's been 20 years, (laughs) and you still tell him, well, you know. (laughs) That's what this situation is with Impact Wrestling, man. Every time I tell this bitch I want a divorce, I'm done with you. There's always another Another year where something happens and they bring in some new talent or something takes place, and I just get reinvigorated. TNA was going down the tubes, and I started fading off, and then they did this, and then they did this, and then it became GFW, and then I was like, okay, I'll... This sounds interesting because Jeff's back, and then no, it wasn't really interesting. And I said, okay, I'm going to leave again. And then they, uh, this is for personal reasons, and, and then they hired my boys LAX. They hired Santana and Ortiz. So I was like, all right, I'll watch for them. And I ended up getting into the show, and I started watching more. And then my boys left, and I started watching the show a little less and a little less. And I said, you know what, I'm done with them. But then they brought Eric Young back, and it was like, oh! it's a goddamn roller coaster, and I don't know where to stand on this. But I do agree with one thing they will never fucking die we thought dixie would kill them she didn't we thought when dixie left so did the money so that'll kill them it didn't we thought covid would kill them because if you're not drawing shit when people can go to the events having no event, and they're still fucking going guys impact wrestling is abortal. i know triple h told uh carl anderson and uh luke gallows hey AEW may not be there the WWE will always be there. Well, Trip, Impact will also always be there. <laughs> they cannot die. Impact Wrestling cannot die. There's been a lot of and, and, and there's been a lot of moves being made. And I'm going to switch it up now from Impact to my other topic here, but it ties in perfectly to Impact because I was just mentioning just a few of the names. ec 3s back into Impact. Eric Young. Back in impact. We've got some new faces. The guns are back in impact. But then we have some shifting around on the AEW front. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see, but uh, what are the uh, longest reigning, longest reigning, pff, longest tenured, I guess you could say, referees in WWE history, Mike Chioda, is now an AEW referee. I'm assuming he's the senior ref. Uh, I would hope that they did not hire Mike Chioda to be, I don't know, carrying the bags of some of these AEW refs. That's not what this situation needs to be at all, whatsoever. Mike Kyoto is a is a fucking legend. Okay? Mike Kyoto is one of the the best referees of all time. He's no Timmy White, you know. Shooting himself in the fucking face. That's what kind of love Tim White has for the WWE and for pro wrestling. He'll shoot himself. In front of the world, if necessary. <laughs> so I will give my life for this and then pull the fucking trigger. But uh, Mike Kiyota being AEW, NWA, we'll see uh, when they come back officially. But even before they close down, I mean, Kennedy and Sandow, uh, Pope. There's a lot of moving parts now. It's not just WWE and then maybe you'll see them at your local indie. There's, there's a lot of different areas that a lot of talent can seep into at this point. And I mean, New Japan has become part of the thing now, right? All of a sudden, it's popular to just say, oh, if this guy gets fired, okay, well, maybe he'll go to New Japan. All of a sudden, that just became an open door to guys. I didn't even realize it was like that. But that's an opportunity now for guys to make a few bucks. And there's so many different options, and I love the fact that there's talent exchanges. I love the fact that they're going from place to place, and there's different opportunities for people to work. Here's the thing. And I was having this debate with some people online when AEW snatched up some people and Impact snatched up some people and people were saying, well, why did they, why did AEW had to get, why did they need Zack Ryder? Why did they need this? Why did they need that? And people were on the internet talking to the world about, well, what do you want them to do? Go hungry. They got fired. They got to work somewhere. No, they don't. That's not how independent, independent contracting works. You're booked on a services need. If I don't need your services, I don't pay for your services. They're, AEW did not need anyone. They did not. Uh, uh, Impact does not need anyone. No one really technically needs anyone. It's a want. There's no need. I know you're probably sitting there going, well, AJ, come on, they need talent. No, 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 no. They need talent. They don't need that talent. You understand what I'm saying? There is no situation where they're responsible for hiring these talents, these recently released talents, just because they were WWE superstars. That makes zero sense. If you got fired from McDonald's, Burger King is not mandatory that they have to hire you because you're a fast food worker. That's what you do. What are you going to do? You're going to change jobs. You're going to find a way to make a living. There are a few wrestlers who got fired from WWE, who got fired from mainstream wrestling promotions, and never worked in wrestling again and did something else. You're not obligated to be hired just because you worked for the big company. As a matter of fact, being a former WWE superstar at this point probably has less uh, oomph attached to it than it has in years, because not everybody's a big fan of the product as it is, and there's so many people getting cut now left and right that it's... It's become an embarrassment of riches at this point. They're firing talent just to have talent. If they let go of 20 people right now, it wouldn't put a dent in their population. As evident as that Black Wednesday or that that day where all those people... There was like 40 names released, and you couldn't tell by looking at Raw and SmackDown that there was any releases because nobody of importance was released. And now everybody is... uh, Mixed around on all these different shows, and they're going to try to prove to the world that they have some value, that, that they are with this shit, and I wish them the best of luck. You already have Brian Myers working in the main event scene for the world title against Eddie Edwards. That's going to be a nice jolt to Brian Myers' career. Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder, is going to be in AEW. They're going to get they have a short-term deal in place, which is perfect for Zack. If I'm Zack if I'm Zach, I'm going to live the model that I told my wife. I said, if we ever got divorced, I'd never get married again. I'm going to fuck. I might date a few people, but I would never get married again. And Zach Ryder should never get married again. 13 years with the same woman. And that woman treated him like shit. I would never give another bitch a ring again. You can get this dick, and you can get this time, and we can cuddle a bit, but you ain't never getting a rock from me. Fuck what you heard. Go ahead, Matt. Let him know. Friendship or no friendship, he's done mixing business with all that shit. He's done with that, and he should be. Bless him. That was a smart move. Go with that. I would never sign a major deal with anybody ever again. At least not for the years, the, the 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 years that uh, he spent with WWE. New, new contracts, new money. If he starts to dip, that's on him. But if he can keep himself good and keep himself healthy and If he can keep himself of value, he's going to make a ton of fucking money. Because the guy is creative. The guy can figure out the industry really, really well. And that's going to be really, really good for him. One more piece to the wrestling puzzle here. I don't know if you guys are aware, but I received a a message from uh, WWE uh, on my phone earlier today. Evolve Progress ICW and WXW are here. The best independent promotions in the world are now available on demand on WWE Network. Is this, is this real life, guys? Is this where we're living at this point? Where WWE will put out a blast on my phone telling me that the best independent promotions in the world are now available on the WWE Network. What is life right now? What is this? I can watch Evolve, I can watch Progress, I can watch ICW, I can watch WXW on the fucking WWE Network. This is crazy. This is nuts. And what are they going to do about music? Because if you're telling me I can get Grado's entrance on WWE Network right now, I'm going to jerk off. Because there's no other way to get rid of this erection. But they're going to dub it, I'm assuming, because they couldn't do ECW songs, right? Right. They dubbed them shits to death. They're fucking unwatchable. I can't watch any ECW on the network. It's unwatchable. But this, what are they going to do with this? Are they going to dial the music back a little bit? I don't know what's going to happen. I wanted to throw that out there so you guys were aware that it was on the network. I'm going to check some of it out. I want to see what they do. I'm curious. I'm going to see what they do. But Jesus Christ. Evolve, Progress, ICW, and WXW. Guys, who's Who's next? What indie fed <laughs> has the library has the tenure to even put up and uh, be available for the WWE Network? You guys better start getting your fucking production games up right now. Production games up. Jesus Christ! We have one last story I want to talk about here. We're going to keep this episode slim here because uh, got some shizit to do here in the background. But well, we're going to take a little spin into the childhood of AJ Orsini for just a second. I'm going to take a quick spin damn memory lane folks because i gotta tell you um when i was a kid and to be honest with you as i grew as an adult as well i had a a, an amazing an amazing uh appreciation for sports when this podcast started i tried to incorporate some of it in there i wanted to do sports and movies and music and wrestling and all kinds of stuff i kind of wanted to be a variety of things and I did. I was kind of all over the place. I had a lot of different episodes dedicated to different things. But the more feedback I got, the more I realized people were really more interested in my wrestling stuff. So I started predominantly staying with the wrestling stuff. And as you can see, I just did 40 minutes on the wrestling stuff. And I'm only probably going to give you 20 minutes on the sports stuff. So you've been, if you're not a sports guy or a gal, you can go ahead and stop now because the rest of this is about sports. But I want to take a trip down memory lane because as heavy as I was into sports, and I was heavy, played for teams, played for my school, I did a lot of cool stuff, right, in sports. The one guy that always stood out to me, the one that I idolized, even more so than professional wrestlers at that time, once I got a chance to see what professional wrestlers really endured to become stars, it shifted a bit. But as a teenager, definitely as a teenager, My love for sports begins and ends with Michael Jordan. That was my dude. That was my guy. He was the best. And it wasn't just his play. Because, yeah, he was the best player. But, Jesus, what I loved about Michael Jordan was his ferocity. Do you understand what that means? His sheer intensity. His want. His pure want to walk into somebody's building and destroy you. Not beat you, not defeat you, to obliterate you, to destroy you, to send you back in shambles. They wanted He wanted to make absolute sure that you never in your fucking life ever conceived of the idea of ever taking the court with him ever again. He didn't just want to beat you on the scoreboard. He wanted to demoralize you as a fucking human being. That is what I loved about Michael Jordan. It is also what I hate about today's basketball because today's basketball is handshakes and jersey swaps and, you know, it's, it's, it's love taps out at the foul line. It's, it's, they're great athletes today. The basketball that's played today is very athletic style. It's an up and down style. I get it. It's not for me. I like the competitive. I like the storylines. I love the, the trash talking. I love the. I want. I love watching press conferences where a guy just simply says, "I want to fucking kill this team. We're gonna sweep them." I have no interest. I think it was on the documentary, which we we're gonna talk about in a second, Jordan's Last Dance, when they were asking if losing a what was it losing a single game to the New Jersey Nets would be an embarrassment to this franchise. That is the level of competitiveness that I'm looking for. Because it's going to go one of two ways. Either he's going to prove it's right, which he did because he swept them. Or the Nets are going to pull something off magical here. And I can invest in that. I can get into that. I remember when the Denver Nuggets came back and won a series 3-2 from a deficit. I remember those days. The 90s was a rough era for basketball. <laughs> I remember. I remember. So I haven't thought about it in a long time because I haven't seen basketball in a long time. But I recently sat down and watched The Last Dance from Michael Jordan. Well, for the Chicago Bulls. I know that it can be confusing when you watch it because it is essentially a documentary about Michael Jordan. Essentially is what it is. You can say what you want uh, about the fact that it includes included so many of the uh, uh of the other members of the Bulls and it included so many different clips and blah 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 blah. blah, At the end of the day, <laughs> that shit was a documentary about Michael fucking Jordan. It told every piece of information you could possibly have about Michael and it and it went it went through everything. It talked about the the relationship with uh, his 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 teammates, it talked about Uh, the, uh, it talked about his, his play on the court, his situations off the court where his father had passed. And 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 all these, it broke everything down and it broke down Scotty Pippen's life. It broke down Phil Jackson's life, Dennis Rodman. I mean, it just went up and down and it showed all this great footage and all of it was memory lane to me because I followed the Chicago Bulls very closely during the course of, uh, of, of their run. Uh, from '91 all the way down to the last dance, I actually followed the Bulls a little bit before that because I was a fan. I've been a fan of Jordan six to, since the '63 at the Boston Garden. I'm not exactly a big fan of his shoes. I know when people think Michael Jordan these days, they think of the fucking sneaker. I never really gave a shit about his fucking sneaker. I've never owned a Jordan in my life. And I remember people joking that they were going to buy my son a little baby Jordans. I told them straight up. I said, uh, "You go ahead and you do that. You spend 100 and something dollars on some baby Jordans and I'm going to throw them in the trash and I'm going to send you a picture of me throwing them in the trash. So save your money." And I wasn't doing that to be mean. I was just proving a point. I don't want you to spend that money on something that's going to end up in the trash. It's baby shoes. These motherfuckers don't wear shoes like that. Are you kidding me? My son wears shoes for a few months and then it goes away. They're kids. They grow. That shit doesn't work like that. My son is almost 6'2 right now and he's fucking 5. This dude's getting tall, 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 tall. And it doesn't work like that. So Michael Jordan to me was always my favorite athlete. He was intense. He was destructive. He would he would fuck you up in a game. And one of the things that I learned about about him after the fact and even before this documentary is that his intensity did not solidify to just himself. This wasn't something. There wasn't some inner monologue that took place. He put that on his teammates as well, and he was a very, very difficult person to be around. Now, mind you, for those of you who are unaware, and I, could, it would be impossible for me to go down the list, but. He is widely regarded, even by other players, as the best player of all time. Now, everybody, that's a subjective-ass fucking comment to make. And it's very difficult. A lot of people have different answers to that. A lot of people today, obviously, would have LeBron in that conversation. A lot of the older heads would probably have Wilt or Bill Russell. Kareem is an obvious uh, obvious pick. Magic Bird. I mean, you can go down the line. Yes, there's even a few current uh, or earlier... I should say, um, athletes, Dwayne Wade's name has been thrown in there, Kobe Bryant, obviously in there, Allen Iverson, it's been a lot of names thrown in, who could possibly be like the best scorer or the best defender, those arguments happen in barbershops all the time. But in my book, there will always be one person holding the top spot, and it's Michael Jordan. And that was how I felt before I saw The Last Dance. Before they really got into the documentary and really started talking about the role that some management management played in this and Jerry Krause and all this different stuff. Before they broke it all down, that's how I felt. When this documentary was over, and this is going to piss some people off, but that's fine, I had more respect for him. I had way more respect for him. Because... I always thought to myself, and I'm going to tie this to wrestling for a second. When I promote or when I book for a company, I hold myself to a very high standard. This is what I expect from myself. All right? If I'm promoting, if I if I at one point I, I've never owned a company, but I helped promote one and I it was a 24/7 job for me. I treated it that way. I spoke to sponsors. I spoke to venues. I tried to get talent. I booked that talent. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I went through finish. I everything. I did everything. Everything, and I did everything to make sure that the talent was prepared to be in the right spot to succeed. I made sure the talent was aware of what to stay away from so they don't look weak. I was trying to make sure that the owner, the guy who was giving us the money, was getting his money's worth. I wanted to make sure the fans were getting the best possible uh, pro wrestling event for the money that I had to give it to them. These are all things I take it very, 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 very seriously. To the point where, yes, I might get loud with you. Yes, I might get short with you. But I'm doing this so that you can be better. I'm not gonna let you half-ass. I'm not gonna let you crawl to work. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold your hand. I am going to expect you to be a professional. I am going to treat you like a professional. And I am going to anticipate that you are going to do everything whilst you're in this building as a professional. I've been criticized in the past by the people that have worked for me that I could be a bit much. But I've never had anyone look at me after one of my shows and told me that show sucked, ever. Ever. It flowed. It fit. It fit. It was timed right. Everything, everything that I did as a promoter and everything that I did as a booker, was for a reason. It was a method to madness. So when I watched this documentary, and I saw them talking about Michael, and ask, and they were asking teammates, was he a nice guy? And they were all taking their shots. You know, he was a bit aggressive, and he was. Da, 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 da. So toward the end of that one piece, I forgot which episode, I think it's the epi- the end of episode seven, where the producer asked the question, do you think that intensity cost you the image of being considered a pretty nice guy? And he gave a very emotional response to the point in which he kind of teared up at the end. I want to play that piece so that you know exactly what I'm talking about and so that I can... When I comment on it, you'll know where I'm coming from. So let's go ahead. Let's play that.
1: Was he a nice guy?
0: He couldn't have been
1: nice. With that kind of mentality he had, you can't be a nice guy. He would be difficult to be around if you didn't truly love the game of basketball. He is difficult.
0: Through the years, you think that intensity? at the
1: expense of being perceived as a nice guy? Well, I mean... I don't know, I mean... Winning has a price. And leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people when they do not want to be challenged. And I earned that right because my teammates came after me. They did endure all the things that I endured. Michael Jordan is down in pain. Michael Jordan can take it out. He's hurt. And Jordan came down hard at his injury. Just as the ball gone, but it's really got a feel for this man right here to be playing his heart out. Once you join the team, you live at a certain standard that I played the game. And I wasn't going to take anything less. Now, that means I had to go in there and get in your ass a little bit, and I did that. You asked all my teammates, one thing about Michael Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. When people see this, yeah, they're gonna say, well. He wasn't really a nice guy, he may have been a tyrant. Oh, well that's you, because you never wanted anything. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. Because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.
0: Break. I'm going to stop it there. The break. What he said, break at the end. That was his, kind of his cue to the producer that he needed a minute to regather himself and they actually showed him uh, kind of letting go for a second and just kind of taking a second to breathe in and just get rid of whatever it was that was coming up to the surface. And I got a lot of feedback from that, from people who were saying, well, look, those are, I mean, come on. He knows what he did. Those were fake ass tears, sympathy tears and blah, blah, blah. I didn't take it that way. I felt that emotion. I understood it. I felt it deep in my heart where that emotion was coming from. Here is how I interpreted that emotion. Because this footage that they're talking about, this quote-unquote last dance, is talking about the 98, excuse me, 97-98 season. Not 98-99, right? No, 97-98 season. Where they were capping off their second three-peat here. Okay? This is the time period in which they're discussing and that's where the footage is coming from but the interviews that took place about whether or not he was a quote unquote nice guy were taken now, 2019 maybe 2018, 2020 these interviews were recent and that's where the emotion is coming from because he said it there in in beautiful words there I challenged guys when they didn't want to be challenged I pulled them when they didn't want to be pulled I want to win, but this is a team sport. So in order for me to win, I need 11 other guys who are going to have the mentality and the mindset of being a fucking winner. So that means I got to pull you, I got to challenge you, I got to get in your ass, I got to make sure that every fucking time we put that jersey on and we hit the court, it's about winning. And I know where that emotion is coming from because... That proves to him that after all these years, we're talking close to 20 years now, actually not even close, this is 21, 22 years ago, they don't get it, or at the very least, they didn't explain on camera that they understood it. They answered the question of whether or not he was a nice guy at the time, and I think if if I'm not mistaken, I think it might have been, was it Will Perdue or Judd Bushler? Is one or the other. I think they said at the beginning of this clip too, you can't be a nice guy. There is a price to winning and everybody pays that price down the line. There's no doubt about it. But the ones who get to be leaders, you pay an extra fee. Everyone pays the same price to be a winner. Leaders have to pay a little bit more. Sometimes as a leader, you have to think outside of yourself for the benefit of the bigger goal in mind. I'll bring it back to wrestling for a second. As a booker, as a promoter, as somebody who's supposed to be behind the scenes but also an on-camera talent and do all these different jobs and different responsibilities. Your primary goal is to make sure that that show is the best fucking show you can possibly put on. If that means you're going to walk out of that show the world champion, if that means you have a certain amount of talent on the show, and you are an on-air talent, but the situation calls for you to take the bench, and you gotta put somebody in your place just to make the show better. That's what you're supposed to do. His job was to win. He stopped winning scoring titles. He stopped winning defensive players of the year. He did everything he could to win. That was the focus. And if you're the kind of person that needs to be coddled, if you're the kind of person that can't stand someone yelling at you, if it gets you into your head, it gets you all fucked up, I can understand where someone like that, with that kind of intensity, with that kind of aggression, rub you the wrong way. There are a lot of people who left those Chicago teams almost like Vietnam War survivors. They had PTSD at other teams when they would leave. B.J. Armstrong told the story of when he was playing with Charlotte against the Bulls in the postseason. He knew how they played, but he also knew that he would (laughs) incur the wrath of Black Jesus uh, on the next few games, which, of course, he got his ass busted. But that's the main point of what I wanted to bring up in this conversation in this last stance, because it's something that reinforced in me, reinforced in me that my mentality and how professional and how on target I try to stay with my profession It reinvigorated in me why I love doing this shit in the first place. This wrestling stuff. I love this because when done right, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And we can all have different opinions as to what good or beautiful is in pro wrestling. Everybody likes different styles, different looks. Everybody likes different things. That's fine. If you can show me that your style of doing things is the right way based on your execution, based on your intent, and based on your focus and drive to make that style better every single day. I'm gonna I'm gonna applaud you every time. I'm not even gonna shit on you. Even if your style runs directly against mine, even if the two of us will never agree who's the goat, who's the best. You know, he likes a submission guy, I like a high fly guy. I like uh, I like my wrestlers to be over six feet tall. He doesn't care about size so long as you can perform. There's debates that can go back and forth. Criteria, likes, dislikes, that sheer intensity and determination to make wrestling better. You're going to win me over every time. I may not even like your shit, but I'll push it. I'll promote it because I know the person behind the scenes is fucking for real. That's why when I do this show and people tell me, oh man, you really shouldn't be shitting on companies the way that you do. You're supposed to be getting bookings on your own. How do you expect people to book you if you're shitting on them all the time. I don't shit on, 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 on companies all the time. I shit on shitty companies all the time. If I've gone on the air here and shit on your company, there's a very good chance I have no interest in working with you. Because you run a shitty company. So there's no worry on my end as to what the repercussions are. Because to me, there will be no repercussions. You and I will never meet. We will never do business. Whenever I do business with a company, I research the company. I look it over. I don't even do ring announcing. I don't do anything for a company that I don't know before I walk in the door. And if it's filled with ridiculous garbage, I do not go. I will email you, and they will let you know. You can keep your money. You can give it to Joe, Nick, Bob, Teddy Graham, whatever the fuck, Jimbo, whatever the fuck, guy in the first row who's willing to do it for fucking nothing, and you you can keep your money, and you can do that. I I have no interest in going. But that shit was intense. That shit was fantastic. If you guys get a chance, I finally got a chance to see it on Netflix. I know it aired somewhere else live. I didn't get a chance to watch it live. I'm behind on it. I know it's on Netflix if you guys get a chance. I'm telling you, even if you're not a basketball fan, it will fucking grab you. Because the storyline behind everything is so fucking great. So well thought out. All of it. Um, it's going to paint some pictures for some people. And I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be in the minority of people that walked away with this going, man, Jordan was the man. There's going to be some people who look at this and go, man, Jordan was pretty fucked up. That's going to be the majority of the group. And that's fine. You're free to think however you feel. But I walked away thinking to myself, that's the kind of fucking mentality I want. That's the kind of mentality that I I want to have moving forward. Not just with wrestling, but in my life. I just I want to carry my life that way. Sheer determination to fucking win. To set a goal. To accomplish that goal. Murder it. Every day just wake up and get closer to another fucking goal. I want to be like that. I want to have that kind of intensity. I have a drive. I have a passion to do things. I don't have the fucking intensity like that to just obsess and just fucking zone in and just fucking do it. I always feel like I'm being pulled in a million different directions from family to work to my interests is always a tug of war going on um, for the most part in my entire life. But I feel like if I had the right intensity for it, I'd have the energy to do all of it. And that's what I want. I don't want to have to choose between all these different worlds. I want the fucking sheer intensity of I'm doing all of it. More than enough. I'll rest when I'm dead. Until then, just fucking keep piling on my plate. And I'm going to eat it all up. I'm going to get through it. And I'm hoping and glad that you guys got through all this. I'm going to let you guys go. I got season I got to do. Next week, the 22nd, 7 p.m., SummerSlam Slam Roundtable It's going to be fucking great. We're going to talk old school SummerSlams as well as the upcoming one. You will have an opportunity to have that conversation with us as well. Not just in the chat, but also through the phone line. So it should be a very convoluted and kerfuffled fucking night. There's going to be a lot of speaking going on on next week's episode. Not just me like I was here tonight. It's going to be a group thing. We're going to do it as a family, as a squad. Squad of O will be in effect next Saturday. Uh july august 22nd Uh, i'll put a video out explaining it i'll put some posts up so you guys can follow it and it'll remind you but we're going live again next saturday the 22nd all right guys so thank you for listening thank you for downloading thank you for sharing and of course of course i exited out the program because i was going to transition into my tagline so of course it would go away (laughs) let's do it again thank you for listening thank you for downloading thank you for sharing and of course thank you for enjoying episode 152. 100 episodes now pay him. And make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please, he needs this. Listen to my daddy's show. He's the best So I don't know.